Hey folks, before we dive into today's episode, we've got some exciting news for you. Mark your calendars for September 17th to 19th, 2024, because Bioport Atlantic is on the horizon. This marks the 23rd year of bringing together the brightest minds in the life sciences sector. This year's theme, Powered by Possibilities, promises to ignite inspiration and foster collaboration amongst attendees. Whether you are an entrepreneur, a researcher, an investor, or a student eager to dive into the world of life sciences, our conference offers something for everyone. Save the date, and for more details, visit lifesciencesnovascotia.ca slash bioportatlantic, or check the link in our show notes. Can't wait to see you at Bioport Atlantic 2024. Longevity. It's a pretty hot topic right now. Doesn't it always seem like the thing that's going to revolutionize how long we live is always just around the corner? The promise of human longevity is like tomorrow. It's always approaching, but it never arrives. While scientists are working on how to live longer, why don't we focus on how to live better with the time that we have? This is what the medical community calls healthspan. While lifespan is the quantity of years we can expect to live on average, healthspan is the quality of those years. Think of it like this. Right now, life expectancy in Canada is just shy of 82 years. Some people live much longer and some much shorter, but there's something that almost everyone, save for some of the most awe-inspiring centenarians among our population, have in common. It's what Dr. Peter Atia calls the marginal decade. He defines this as the last decade of life that is marred by physical and cognitive decline, issues due to cardiovascular problems that lead to heart failure, or the sometimes long, sometimes short, but always arduous battle with the C word, cancer. The marginal decade and the things that cause it are a major drain on our health span. As science relentlessly investigates these problems, there's one thing that keeps showing up a thread that weaves its way through so many of the things that plague us as we age. Even the most scientifically elusive problems, like cancer and neurodegenerative diseases, like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. What if I told you that all of these problems could be traced back in one way or another to our muscles? From Life Sciences Nova Scotia and Snack Labs, welcome to New Wave, a podcast that explores the pioneers that are shaping the future of life sciences. Let's blow our minds for a second. In 2021, 45,000 people died from accidental falls in the United States, and over 800,000 people were hospitalized for fall-related injuries. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly serious. I mean, our hospital is full of people who fall and break their hips. I want to introduce you to Mike Dunbar. Sure. Uh, my name is Mike Dunbar. I'm an orthopedic surgeon here in Halifax. If you've got a question about bones, Mike is the guy that you ask. I was fortunate to go off to uh, Lund, Sweden to do a PhD in subjective outcomes after surgery. My specialty specifically is hip and knee replacement. Falls are by far 
the leading cause of accidental death for people 65 and older. And that statement doesn't even take into account the thousands of people who die within 12 months of a non-fatal but very serious fall that pushed them into a long and painful decline. It's, it's really sad to see when people break their hips. There's an old saying that we come into the world under the brim of the pelvis and we go out of the world through the neck of the femur. So if you don't operate on someone with a broken hip, their chance of dying is very high. In fact, within three to four months after breaking your hip, 25 to 33% of people are dead at over age 65, no matter what you do. As I'm sure you can tell, it's a very serious and underestimated problem. But we can't just chalk it up to old age and call it a day. For a second, let's talk about what we can and what we can't change. As you age, you lose muscle mass. It's a product of the aging process, and unfortunately, there's no way around it. That part is as foundationally true as the gravity that keeps your feet rooted to the ground. The only way to build, maintain, and slow the degradation of our muscle health is to exercise and to lift weights. And that's the part that we can change. The problem is, at a population level, we don't do that very well. You might be in great shape, or you might know people in great shape. But statistically speaking, 75% of the people you know, perhaps including you, don't meet the U.S. government's physical activity guidelines for both aerobic and muscle strengthening activity. It's been shown that the 25% of people who do meet these guidelines maintain healthy activity levels and muscle mass throughout their 20s, their 30s, and into their middle age. But both physical activity and muscle mass decline steeply after 65 and basically fall off a cliff in the mid-70s. We can be pretty sure that in this case, it is likely both the chicken and the egg. Again, muscle degradation is a natural symptom of getting older. We exercise less because we feel weak, and we're weak because we exercise less. The musculoskeletal system is the underpinning of the rest of your health. So meaning you can't do cardiac rehab, you can't do stroke rehab, you can't improve your lung capacity without doing some form of exercise. And that exercise is based off your musculoskeletal system. Maintenance of musculoskeletal health is, is deterministic with respect to pretty much all other branches of medicine. But don't worry, this isn't a podcast about shaming you into working out more. Even though you probably should. Instead, it's actually about being able to understand where you stand with your muscle health right now, in real time, so that you can make informed decisions about how to take care of your physical body. Remember, our goal is to stretch out our health span, and in order to do that, we need to be able to take off our blindfold when it comes to understanding our muscles. Okay, let's just start simple. Introduce yourself and tell us your background. Okay, uh, my name is Rafael Andrade. I'm CEO and co-founder of Myomar. And so where did this all start? Okay, so I, I guess I was excited when I first came to uh, as a student, as an exchange student from Brazil, and I did um, my undergrad at St. Mary's University. And my dream was actually to study cancer. Because uh, I had been uh, in cancer hospitals in Brazil, volunteering and uh, doing internships. Uh, so when I finished my undergrad, I applied to, to the Howard University as a graduate student. And then I studied. After her undergrad, Rafaela did her graduate studies at Dalhousie. She studied cancer cell metabolism during her PhD and transitioned into her postdoctorate fellowship, focusing on muscle metabolism and muscle-related diseases. What she's most passionate about is translational research. 
especially because I want to see uh, my basic science being applied to to the community right away and benefit society somehow. So I always during this process, I always thought about how can I use my research to benefit society. Okay, so if I was curious about measuring my muscle health today, how would I do that? So if you go to a medical doctor, probably they're not going to do anything for you in relation of your muscle. But if you have like a muscle skeletal disease, um, some people, some doctors will prescribe, not in Canada, I don't think, but in the U.S., they will prescribe a DEXA scan, which is like a machine, looks like an MRI. So you go inside the machine, takes a picture of your body and estimate your overall muscle mass. Besides that, you need to do a physical assessment. So there is a couple, a barrier of tests uh, physically that you do, and there is a score for each one of those tests. And with that score plus the DAXA, then a medical doctor can infer on your overall muscle health. These methods are challenging, time-consuming. They take a ton of resources and manpower to complete. And the results are only going to confirm that something is already wrong with you. What they can't do is provide you with an objective measurement from which you could work on so that you don't end up needing these costly tests in the first place. This is an issue that pervades almost every corner of our healthcare system. We're quite good at telling you that something is wrong once it's started to impact your day-to-day life. But we are, broadly speaking, awful at intervening in our healthcare earlier so that we can detect and preventatively treat a health issue before it degrades our quality of life. In the mid-1860s, the understanding of germ theory emerged. And in the 1920s, we discovered antibiotics. With these two discoveries, we entered a new era of medicine. One where we could be protected from diseases and infections that once killed people rapidly. As a result, lifespans grew enormously. Between 1913, shortly before the advent of antibiotics, and 1950, Global average life expectancy jumped from 34 years to 46 years and has almost doubled since then. We got really, really good at keeping people alive for a long time. So much so that we've got healthcare systems around the world that are so overrun and overworked with the incredible amount of people that need urgent care that in the chaos of all of this, we forgot or were unable to take the next important step in our medical evolution. Treating people before they get sick. Because right now, medicine is reactive. As we talk about, we're treating heart disease after it's happened. We're treating strokes after they've happened. We're treating fractures after they happened when we should be dialing way back or way upstream and getting that our children at a much earlier age and giving them education and lexicons and giving them about how you age healthy in a healthy sense. And we should be giving them tools to help understand what's happening to their body and other things in relation to their lifestyle choices. Okay, so I I guess I was sad when I had my first child, I actually gained a lot of weight. And I had to start a process of losing their weight, exercising more, and and became very aware of um, my muscle health. When Rafaela returned to her lab, she couldn't stop thinking about her experience, and she wanted to understand it scientifically. When I returned to the lab, I thought about how can I use both knowledges of like being a mother, having to lose all this weight, but also um, 
using my research, molecular science, to understand how muscle grows and how we can control that or monitor that. She started where most researchers do, with a great hypothesis and an experiment to test it. At the time, we had a, a mice in the lab where we studied muscle atrophy. We started putting them into a treadmill just to, to exercise every day. Um, and then we did biopsy of the muscle before and after the treadmill training. And we saw that they had muscle atrophy to start with and uh, the training improved the muscle atrophy. Um, then we collect blood and urine before and after the exercise routine. And we saw that specific biomarkers would uh, change levels from uh, the muscle atrophy stage to muscle recovery state. Remember, if you wanted to understand your muscle health, first of all, you had to be sick. And if you checked that box, you had to schedule a DEXA scan, this big machine at the hospital that has its own room. Just going to the hospital for anything is a huge task in and of itself. And then that scan needs to be evaluated by physicians and technicians and a certified bone densitometry technologist. The entire thing is like a Marvel movie production and can take months to facilitate. Rafaela's experience in her pregnancy sent her down a path to discover biomarkers that can quickly, easily, and objectively measure muscle health for the very first time. Uh, it is uh, urine test that people will you know, give urine to us, and we will analyze urine in the lab. And we look for uh, five biomarkers right now, and we, with those five biomarkers, each one of them are involved in different uh, processes, metabolism process on your body. And uh, the combination of all five predicts your overall muscle health. But the discovery of these biomarkers that can measure the health of your muscles is only the beginning. It's the accessibility of this test that is going to reshape the way we understand our personal health. Myomar's evolution is going to bring this test out of the lab and right into your home. As we develop the company in a year and a half to two years, we're going to have a Bionistec device, which looks like a pregnancy test, but much cooler, <laughs> where people can take the test at home. So the, the test can be available in pharmacies or in physio clinics or uh, medical doctor's clinics as well. Uh, and uh, you can ask your medical doctor for those tests and take the test right there and get the results right away. Think about it like this. At the beginning of the 1900s, if you wanted to cross the Atlantic Ocean to go to London, let's say, you had to take a ship that would take days. And before you step on that ship, you needed a pretty damn good reason to go. Today, that trip will take you about six hours from where I'm sitting. And I might go for a concert, if I feel like it. I think it'd be pretty transformative. There's things in my world where right now we have long lists of people waiting for joint replacement that we have very crude ways to prioritize those patients and it tends to be first come first serve. Whereas maybe I'd wanna know that if patient A is deteriorating their muscle mass much more quickly because they're immobile and they have pain versus somebody else who's maintaining their muscle mass, then you might make the argument that that patient should probably be prioritized. I think biomarkers are the future in terms of um, more and more understanding of multiple biomarkers of which uh, muscle mass would be one of them. You know, we talk about gut flora and what your microbiome is, all that stuff. There's, there's going to be an explosion of biomarkers that we're going to be talking about. And one of the early ones out of the gate will be the muscle mass one. And I think there's lots of ways we can impute that into treatment, prognostication, uh, and preventative medicine. We have to give credit where credit is due. 
The world of healthcare isn't without its successes and triumphs when it comes to making advancements in the accessibility of preventative healthcare. 5G technology, combined with the restrictions and limitations we faced during the height of the COVID pandemic, opened up the doors to telemedicine. Remote monitoring also grew under these conditions, along with the rise in accessibility of wearable technology, like heart rate monitors. Continuous glucose monitors have completely changed the landscape of what it means to live with diabetes. When the Human Genome Project was completed in 2003, it took 13 years and $3 billion to complete. Now, only 20 years later, you can get private genetic testing done by spitting in a tube at home and getting your results in two weeks for about $200. This has given people insights into their health of today so they can make better decisions that will impact their health of tomorrow, or 10 years from now, or 40 years from now. Myomar Molecular is adding to this list with its testing, technology, and muscle health scale in a way that could be the next revolution in proactive health. The way we want to create, we want to create a five-point scale, putting people into a sarcopenic state and ideal muscle health state. And across that, we can determine where you are in the scale and make specific recommendations for you to move up the scale, not down. So essentially, you take the urine test at home. It gives you a score from zero to 100. Zero being a sarcopenic state, which means you probably have trouble completing daily tasks, and 100 being perfect muscle health. Your score will help you or your doctor or your physio or your personal trainer to prescribe things to improve or perhaps to get the peace of mind that what you've been doing for years is working exactly the way you want it to. So there you have it. It's the combination of the biomarker discovery, the at-home test, and the muscle health scale that makes Myomar Molecular an absolute game changer. These three things peel off the muscle health blindfold. They will arm us with the tools to stretch out our health span and shorten the marginal decade. At the top of the episode, we talked about the often overlooked prevalence and dangers of accidental falls and how muscle health features heavily in the enormous amount of people and families who suffer these accidents. Can you, um, can you, can you tell us about your aunt? Yeah. So I didn't mention that to you, but it's like um, when I was in maternity leave, um, we went to Brazil for a couple months. I had a baby boy and a toddler. And uh, while we were there, one of my uh, aunts that pretty much helped raise me with my parents, uh, she had a fall um, and ended up uh, going to the hospital because of that fall. And uh, she never recovered and ended up dying after a week or so after the fall. She was pretty healthy. She didn't have any any didn't take any medications. She had an overall good health, but she didn't realize she was becoming weaker and weaker uh, to the point that she couldn't walk as much and ended up falling. And because of that fall, she, she died. This was the enormity of Rafaela's work happening right before her eyes in her own family. And after that, it took on a new level of importance for her. So that was one of the, when I started the company, I thought about focus on, on that aging, aging population and prevent, 
preventing falls. So if you have like a number now that you know you are at a high risk, just like a cholesterol test, when your cholesterol goes above that number, which I don't know from the top of my head, but you know your, your heart is suffering. So you, you do things to prevent and lower your cholesterol. So you prevent to have a heart attack. But in muscle, there is a nice scale that you can look and see, I am at a risk to have a fall. So I should be doing something to prevent that. There isn't anything like this today. The body is a truly fascinating machine. Of course, every single person on this planet, including myself, takes it for granted on a daily basis. But when you stop and think about it for just a second, you might be able to feel the overwhelming complexity of the human body dawn on you. The capacity of your body to adapt to the environment in which you place it, whether on purpose or by accident, is nothing short of mind-boggling. I learned in a conversation once with Canadian astronaut Colonel Chris Hadfield that the first time you urinate in zero gravity after leaving Earth's atmosphere, the calcium content in your urine skyrockets. Within minutes of leaving Earth, you start peeing out your bones because the lack of gravity is telling your body that you don't need them anymore. Just like that. Meanwhile, back here on Earth, a very similar process begins to occur when you stop using your muscles. It's pretty obvious from a lot of the research that's been done on astronauts going up to international space stations when they come back and what kind of loss they have of muscle bulk. So uh, use it or lose it is, is, is the proverbial term, but it makes sense and it's true. If you're not moving your body through a gravity environment, your muscle mass quickly goes away. So we know uh, from stats completed in the U.S. that if you're actually in the hospital for uh, over three days in a, in a bed rest, for example, you can you lose up to 10% of your quads muscle. Uh, so that's very significant. And most of the people that is in bed rest, when they leave the hospital, they have to do a lot of rehabilitation just to become stronger again on the muscle side. Um, and the hospital system today, they don't really monitor your muscle wasting process. They will monitor the other organs like kidney, liver, uh, lungs, but not muscle itself. So one day we could have our tests available to hospitals to monitor people that are at bed rest. So then when they leave the hospital, they are in better shape to recover. As Rafaela said, her aunt was not in a particularly unhealthy state before her fall. She had always been reasonably active and didn't have a pre-existing condition that contributed to her decline after suffering her fall and the subsequent hospital admission. This is far too common, and it illustrates the dire need for a deeper understanding, and more importantly, a method for delivering that understanding of where we stand with our muscle health. Muscle health might be the single most important thing to understand throughout the entire arc of our lives. The musculoskeletal system is the underpinning of the rest of your health. It is not just a feature of our youth. Everybody wants to, to age with a good quality of life. Rather, its importance grows logarithmically with each decade that passes. You want to age and be able to play with your grandchildren, go to the beach, be able to be independent. And without an accessible method with which to understand it, we're essentially walking through our lives with a blindfold on, shrugging our shoulders to the question of whether we'll be able to recover from a stint in the hospital. I mean, our hospital is full of people who fall and break their hips from an injury that keeps you off your feet. 
or a fall that lands you in the hands of an orthopedic surgeon like Dr. Dunbar? Is I'd like to prevent people from getting to surgery. I mean, that would be the ultimate success. I want to leave you with one more thought before we wrap up. At the beginning of this episode, I mentioned someone to you. It was the person who coined the term the marginal decade, Dr. Peter Atia. I read a book of his recently, and something that he talked about was what he calls the centenarian decathlon. The centenarian decathlon is essentially a list of things that you envision yourself doing physically in your 80s or your 90s. This list is going to be completely unique, completely different depending on the person who makes it. But think of things like lifting up your great-grandchildren or doing a hike to an incredible viewpoint or putting um, a piece of luggage in an overhead compartment on a flight that's going to take you on your next adventure. If you want to do those things then, you need to know where you are now. You need a benchmark from which to work. And that's what this story means to me. I want to love my life in every decade, not just in my youthful ones. And I want to use every tool that is known to man to be able to perform in the centenarian decathlon at the highest level. And if you stop and think about it for a second, I bet you do too. New Wave is a Life Sciences Nova Scotia podcast, and it's produced by Jeremy Saunders, Brian Stever, and me, Taylor McGilvery, from Snack Labs. It's written and hosted by me, Taylor McGilvery, and edited by Brian Stever, Jeremy Saunders, and me, Taylor McGilvery. Sound design and engineering by Donovan Morgan. Special thanks to Myomar Molecular and our guests, Rafael Andrade and Michael Dunbar. And a big thanks to the team at Life Sciences Nova Scotia, Sean Awalt, Doris Grant, Carrie Manette, Kira McGlinchey, and Lorianne Coring. If you want to learn more about Myomar Molecular, you can visit their website at myomarmolecular.ca.